Well, I guess like people across the world, people are very apprehensive of how this uh, could explode into an uncontrollable situation. And already perhaps it's reaching that. And uh, Syria is bordering uh, Israel on the south and bordering Lebanon. And Lebanon is a lifeline for the people in Syria who are already on the ground. But Lebanon is one of the, the supports that keeps their faces at least uh, off the ground. So if Lebanon descends into uh, a chaotic situation, it'll have a huge knock-on impact here, irrespective of the fact if Syria gets drawn into uh, conflict, uh, just the economic support and the the lifeline that Lebanon is for the crippled economy here. If that uh, gets compromised, it'll be a disaster. Yeah, because there are many Syrian refugees already in Lebanon and Lebanon itself is creaking. The last thing it needs is a war on its borders, yet there are reports of fighting there. Yes, there are uh, reports of that in in southern Lebanon. But if, uh, let's say, something like Beirut becomes compromised or the border crossings already, Syria is isolated and Syrian people are isolated and they can they can travel nowhere or go nowhere. So sometimes for medical treatment, for receiving uh, opportunities to travel abroad to take up uh, new uh, op- options of, of living uh, in in a new country, they may have to travel, and Beirut is their their way to go. But more often, it's the limited amount of money that come come through Lebanon if the banking sector got compromised, or just that those things that are. Creaking as it is, uh, if they collapse, it will just add untold misery on top of misery here. What are people in Syria saying, people who are no stranger now to suffering on a daily basis for years? What are they saying on the ground? I guess people are are cautious about what they say, but I think um, there's outrage at the, the treatment of civilians and they themselves, uh, having experienced it so much, having been caught in the midst of one of the horrific conflicts in, in recent decades here in their own land, uh, so they know what it's like to be uh, a non-combatant, but to be targeted and to have your houses bombed, your families killed in, in conflict and to be displaced and to be living on on the mercy of the humanitarian community to to provide uh, food and and medicine um so they they know this situation too well and i think their their hearts go out to the people who are suffering i think also i've had conversations people are are also feeling empathy for the victims of the attack in israel on the 7th so it, it, people most people I come across here are decent human beings. They see the suffering on both sides. But I think they also sense some of the hypocrisy, uh, maybe of the West, in, in terms of the way that it can bend its outrage uh, and bend its its ability to move humanitarian aid and resources to suffering people when it suits. Yeah, because the reports coming in are that there are thousands of trucks lined up waiting to get into Gaza, but they can't get through. It's only a trickle that Mets and some frontier are saying that. What about the people then also in Syria themselves? You've told us before about the conditions there, then they suffered an earthquake. I mean, it has been horrendous. What are things like at the moment? Can you give us an up-to-date picture on that, Tony? Well, 2023 has been uh, like a, a 
disaster year for the people of Syria. There was the earthquake in February, and while aid got through, it was inadequate and is inadequate to respond, especially to the shelter needs. And many people remain in uh, inadequate shelter, especially approaching uh, the, the bitter winter here. People remain in need of psychological uh, support as well. But all the aid that has been delivered in response to the earthquake has been done on a treadmill of a worsening situation. For example, the, the Syrian pound was worth 6,500 euros at the time of the earthquake. Now it's worth about 14,000. In other words, people's real spending power has more than halved in the eight months since the earthquake. And meanwhile, real prices have increased and their salaries have not. So people who are living on maybe 25 euros a month are now having to live on closer to 15 or 10 euros a month when it costs here almost 10 euros a day to live. So people like the gap between what people have and what they need just for dignity uh, and, and for survival is immense. The, the only thing that's keeping, I think, people from starvation are gov government-subsidized bakeries where people get bread. And I think you know, a lot of people are surviving on, on bread and, and water and tea. Are you in JRS still providing meals and services? I, I know you gave me an extensive list the last time. Is that work still going on and are you getting funding for it? Yes, we're, we've extended our, our earthquake emergency response to include 1,000 really badly affected families in Aleppo and we'll continue to support them until May through the winter months. And we're working with UNHCR and other partners to try and, and uh, get them through to a durable housing solution. But then in our education protection program for children, we have meals as part of the, the program there, which is essential because so many of these children, and it's heartbreaking, Pat, so many of these children, uh, when they're not with us, are, are foraging in bins for food or for anything of value. Um, so 2 million children out of uh, school in Syria um, because of the need to to support families with any um, income they can generate. This casualty, you mentioned children there, it's the same in Gaza. We're hearing about the number of children who have died there. The population of Gaza, half of them, I think it's 50% are children. It's an awful thing to witness in the Middle East, this absolute atrocity in terms of young life being taken away or having to live in atrocious circumstances. Is JRS able to help them even in, I know in Syria, but also in Lebanon as well, perhaps, and in the refugee camps? What are you able to do? Yes, just one thing there, Pat. I mean, the, the situation in Gaza is is horrific and it's, it's affecting a population of 2 million. But I, I think people need to challenge their amnesia here in syria we have the largest humanitarian crisis with the largest number of internally displaced so it's over six million people who are internally displaced and have been now for 13 years um, and it takes it takes a media surge for people to remember um, so what has been happening in syria uh, like is is as outrageous as gaza uh, not that you know it, it, it's hard to be kind of bidding or competing but the, the the region here, and it's also in Iraq and in and in Lebanon, uh, ordinary men, women, and children are living the most appalling misery um, because of conflict and economic collapse and COVID and the earthquakes. So, if, of course, JRS uh, is doing what it can. I, I think we're 
we're accompanying people and standing with them and, and giving some very basic support and, and trying to keep hope alive. Humanitarian help, uh, while needed, is never the ongoing solution. It's it's a, a, a dip in the ocean. Um, so we need longer term solutions to these uh, these situations in a very broken world. Yeah. It's almost at some level seems insurmountable that when an atrocity happens, it's like the media wake up, politicians wake up and war becomes the the response and yet for so long people are crying out particularly the oppressed in those countries you've mentioned are calling out for the world for their own leaders and for the powers that can control them to negotiate the peace because that type of injustice is a form of violence itself isn't it absolutely and i i think of the the woman I met in our health clinic in Aleppo who had a, a young uh, child, a young daughter, who had just a chest infection, a serious chest infection and needed antibiotics. Uh, if she hadn't the option of coming to get those antibiotics free from JRS, she would have to spend over half her income on treating her child. Like that's an appalling uh, situation. And that woman doesn't care who rules the world or who rules Syria. She's just caring about how I can treat my daughter. And I think this is the situation of so many people in these forgotten conflict zones. They're ordinary human beings who want to get on with a decent life. There's manipulation and powerful forces at work within and without their societies. Um, and I think it's for decent people uh, around the world to one, support with humanitarian aid and solidarity, but also to, to challenge the duplicity of the powerful interests in our world that, that perpetuate this ongoing suffering and who also have a vested interest in the arms trade. I mean, if 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 the men of violence and the women of violence were left to maybe without powerful weapons, uh, they might think twice about <laughs> punching themselves up. So these things are complex, I know, but I, I think there's a greater responsibility on us all to to try and analyze and to take a stand and to maybe perhaps make a sacrifice um, in, in how we respond. So in that regard, Tony, can you remind people again of where they can send uh, money or donations because they, for sure, they are being used really well and every penny counts in Syria as as in Gaza and places like that. But for JRS, where can they, where can they contribute? So a very nice idea that the Irish Jesuits International have come up with is a catalogue of gifts that people can buy coming up to Christmas. So instead of buying presence they can perhaps go through this catalogue and, and in the catalogue for Syria they will see a, a winter kit so many of the children we're working with you know their families can't can only dream of buying a jacket or a, a warm hat or a pair of socks or shoes um, so 10 or 15 euros uh, will get to us and will help a child or a family and I notice even in some of our families when we give a pair of socks or shoes or a jacket it's shared. It's not just an individual child's jacket. It becomes a family jacket, and and many of the children will use use the jacket in turn. In fact, one or two of the children, I notice, uh, they wouldn't come to the center on a really cold day because their sister or brother has to come to our center, and they're using the jacket. The, the IJI have have this nice catalogue at the Irish Jesuit International, and 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 if people just want to make a free unattached uh, donation as well, they can always make it uh, to the IJI. 
Tony O'Reardon, good luck with all of your work that you're doing. And I know the people of Ireland care very much for the whole situation in the Middle East. And you had a good response also to the plight of the people in Syria. And may that continue. Thank you so much, Pat. Thank you.